Hey, hey, guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. Today's featured audio is Jessica Todd. And we'll be right back. Check out LifeSense products featuring the most potent C8 MCT oil and powder, BHB exogenous ketone salts with only natural sweeteners and new to the world C8 MCT oil for dogs. All of these products are scientifically formulated by Dr. Alvin Berger, who is the world-renowned lipid biochemist and nutritionist, as well as an expert in ketogenic fats. LifeSense has developed a custom easy-pour bottle for C8 MCT oil, and they've introduced more innovative, state-of-the-art nutritional products. Go to LifeSenseProducts.com to get your premium products all proudly made in the USA for the low-carb lifestyle. LifeSenseProducts.com Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. Living La Vida Low Carb, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore the longest running health podcast hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Today's featured audio is from the 2018 Low Carb Cruise. Visit lowcarbcruiseinfo.com to learn more about the 2019 Low Carb Cruise, leaving out on May the 31st, 2019 as the 12th annual Low Carb Cruise to the Bahamas. We also have another Keto 101 cruise sailing out September 28th, 2019. Get full details at lowcarbcruiseinfo.com. Yeah, man. So is anybody else's brain like on fire? <laughs> it's like smoke coming out of my ears. These guys are like amazing. I love listening to all this stuff, but I'm going to pull it down a few levels for everybody in here so you can take a nice little break for a minute. Um, I'm going to talk more from a layperson's point of view, and I'm supposed to stay like in this area because I didn't get the memo that I needed a waistband for the <laughs> for the mic, so he needs to pick me up right here. So I'm going to be right here. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about myself, and I had to write some notes because I forget what I'm supposed to be telling you. Um, so this is me, I'm Jessica Thai. And um, have a lot of things there on my little board to kind of help you guys get to know me a little bit better. So uh, my husband is here with me today, and we do have five kiddos. So they range from six years old to 16 years old. And um, yes, you can feel sorry for me now. (laughs) Especially for the 16-year-old. That is, I always thought it would get easier as I got older, and that is not true. (laughs) It's a lot harder. Um... Anyway, so I got started into keto um, a few years ago. I started researching it because my youngest um, has a lot of neurological issues. So she's adopted from China. She was uh, on the special needs list. And we didn't really know kind of how difficult some of her challenges were going to be. So I started doing some research um, kind of always being into holistic healthcare and holistic nutrition anyway. So I started doing some research to try to figure out, like, what can I do to help her instead of, like, all the things that the doctors wanted to do. 
um, or they just didn't want to help her fix at all. So I started doing a little bit of research and ran across keto and then kind of dove in that way and trying to learn more about the ketogenic diet and how it might be able to help her. You get emotional. <laughs> So, I feel like through divine providence, I found keto and got pretty involved in it myself and for my older son, who also has some health issues. Um, I started uh, full bore into keto myself in March of last year, and um, I didn't know that in November, my daughter would have her first seizure. And so um, she was air cared. And we spent five days in the intensive care unit while she continued to have multiple seizures. And so knowing what I knew about keto, I thought, I mean, this is going to be more perfect. Like, I, I know more than what the doctors are telling me. Like, they're telling me they don't know what's going on. They don't know why to do this. She's just going to have to be on this medication. We're not going to be able to fix this. And I thought, well, I know how to fix this. You know, I know how to help her. But the five days we were in that intensive care unit, and we saw dozens, I'm telling you, dozens of, of experts from every division of that hospital, not one doctor or one expert asked me what we feed my daughter. Not one. Not one. I thought if I'd taken my dog to the vet, that would have been the very first thing they would have said to me. What's wrong with your dog? What do you feed them? <laughs> I mean, I could have told them that she eats Cheetos and Diet Coke all day long. <laughs> and they could have told me, oh, that's probably not a good idea. But they didn't even ask. They didn't ask me. So for me, keto is very personal. It has a, a, a very personal connotation. My oldest son in this picture, my 16-year-old, he has some health challenges too. And he's actually the one who got me started on keto. Um, I'd been dabbling in it and had listened to, um, had been listening to podcasts like most people, I think, in this room probably do for a long time. Um, I had listened a lot to Jenny's podcasts uh, specifically. I had been listening a lot to Fasting Talk. And my son um, had been listening as I, you know, I, I will cook dinner and um, listen to my podcast, and there will you know, be milling around in the kitchen. And so um, he had heard me listening to the um, Fasting Talk podcast, and he said, you know, Mom, maybe that would help me. Would you be okay if I did a fast? Would you fast with me? And um, I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we committed to doing a three-day water-only fast, and um, he quit. <laughs> After like a day and a half, and I'm um, like, okay, that's fine. I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and keep going because I feel so good. So I completed that three-day fast, and then I just I started having things going away that I had been struggling with. And so I just decided to con continue on and to get deeper into keto, and that's kind of where my journey started. Um, so I have just a little bit of before and after, so you can kind of see. I never felt like never viewed myself as like an um, overweight person necessarily. Um, and when I look at pictures before, I'm like, my gosh, I was so bloated all the time. Like I just was um, just so bloated. I, I've only, I mean, I say only, but I mean, my weight loss journey in this um, was very secondary, but um I mean, there's people that have lost hundreds of pounds, we all know, and um, I only lost about 20 pounds total since starting. Um, but anyway, it was a huge impact to me, but the bigger impact for me was I had, um, I had hip issues, knee issues, plantar fasciitis, and if anybody has dealt with plantar fasciitis, I would try to get out of bed in the morning and couldn't even walk. It was awful, and I have always been a very active um, individual. Um, you know, very sports oriented, that type of thing. So 
anyway, that was huge for me, was uh, losing some of the health issues that I had been struggling with for years. So real quickly, I just want to talk about what is keto. So a lot of, um, I'm pretty sure pretty much everybody here knows what keto is, but I didn't want to just assume that. So when everybody's up here talking about keto, um, often, you know, the, the low carb, high fat diet, Generally, if you look it up, you'll find that it consists of about 75% fat, 25% protein, and 5% carbs. Um, you'll also hear people tell you that it needs to be 20 grams of carbs or less a day to be truly ketogenic. So what's the goals of those numbers? It's to be in a state of ketosis, right? So you're running on fat versus sugar. Okay, so now we know the why of what keto is, but, but or what it is. So why would you even do it? Well, like I just talked about with my daughter, for um, epilepsy, it's huge. Um, but that's where we know we get the ketogenic diet. Weight loss is where I see in my own practice people coming to me for is they're really interested in the weight loss aspects of it. So we all know about the improved cognition, more energy, improved mood, things like that. I noticed all of those things happening as well in myself and um you know, when your husband's like, oh, wow, it's, you know, that time of month for you, I had no idea it was coming. You're like, yes. <laughs> so that is not always the case. I used to be, you know, major, just a whole personality change the week prior. So it's not pleasant. Um, so what I want to talk about today uh, very briefly is how do you figure out what your keto looks like? So I just have five tips to get somebody started. If maybe you're doing low carb and you're kind of wanting to venture to the little more higher fat, but you don't know, like you just heard, well, maybe you could just eat all the protein that you want. Or maybe you're thinking, well, maybe I want to eat all the fat that I want. Or, you know, you're not really sure if you can get up. You're not even sure if you want to be in ketosis all the time. Do you even need to be in ketosis all the time? Does it matter? So my first suggestion to you is I would go get some keto books, cookbooks, start listening to some podcasts to stay motivated. And I think there's a lot of really awesome books out there, cookbooks and, and different books you can read on keto, all of this type of stuff, some great websites you can go out there, get some good recipes, get some good information. But I would urge you to find someone that you resonate with. So maybe you want to hear more stuff that is, um, like Dr. Naaman's talking about, very, you want graphs, you want charts, you want studies. Find somebody that talks about that stuff and that'll keep you motivated and you can do those things. Um, maybe you want somebody else that's more of a lay person and they're just creating recipes in their kitchen and sharing those with you and you're like, I can do that. I think what's really important is just making sure that you're viewing this as a lifestyle and you're not viewing it as like the next great diet that you're going to get on to lose a bunch of weight. So now that you're inspired, you've got somebody that you're following, then go in and clean out your pantry. Get rid of those things that you don't want to be eating anymore and focus on, I think a big mistake that I see happen with clients is they want to go keto. So then maybe they're from an Italian family and that's what they eat. And that's what they know is Italian food. But now they're like, oh, well now I need keto food. Well, I would suggest to you that there isn't a keto food. It's just food. And you just decide what works for you to help you be healthy and be in ketosis. If that's what you want to be 24-7, great, do that. Find the substitutes that you can eat that will help you still stay with the same lifestyle that you're used to because that's what you're going to stick to. That's what you'll be doing 10, 15, 20 years from now, not the, the keto fad diet that people say is unsustainable you can't stay with. It's unsustainable if you're trying to change everything about the way you're eating and you're not eating things that, that are what you like and what are comfortable to you. I also say download an app. In the beginning, I, always, I don't like for people to focus on this going you know, long-term because I think it can lead to other issues. But in the beginning, download an app. This one here that I have on there is Carb Manager. There's so many different ones that you can do because I think that we are so disconnected from our food that we don't even understand what, what the macros are in anything that we're eating. So a lot of times we can think, oh, I'm eating ketogenic. This has got to be working. And then we realize that we're not at all. We're way off. 
Okay, eat as much real food, and I say fat as well, as you want and need. And make sure you're drinking plenty of water. So we've all heard of the keto flu and people saying, you know, I, keto didn't work for me. It was awful. I felt terrible. Well, there's a, there's a good reason for that. We need to drink plenty of water when we're eating. Um, well, and when you're eating anything, I don't care what you're eating, but make sure that your water intake is really good. Um, especially when we have lower insulin, we're going to have, we're going to be losing a lot of those electrolytes and it's super important to keep yourself hydrated and try to keep blowing through this here. So I don't hold Jimmy up, um, buy a glucose or a ketone monitor. This is the one I chose as a keto mojo. I think it's important in the beginning, especially I don't track hardly anything anymore, but I think in the beginning, it's important to know what your blood glucose levels are and what your ketones are. That's what you're shooting for is to be in ketosis. It just helps you understand your body because the goal of this should be finding what works for you, not finding what, you know, so-and-so is doing or so-and-so is doing because it's like we've heard here kind of a, a theme throughout the morning has been what works for me is not going to necessarily work for you and vice versa to find what works for you. Okay, so then I also mentioned the in the title is how to feel good while staying there. So we've also heard these as, as themes throughout the morning, stress management and detoxification. So meditation, huge. Journaling, huge. I totally agree with that, especially journaling with gratitude, like really focusing on what is what makes you happy, what you're grateful for, what you're thankful for, um, no matter how small. Sometimes it can feel like it's hard maybe to think of some new things every day that you're grateful for. Just be grateful that you woke up, that the sun is out, you know, whatever the little things are. Infrared saunas, dry brushing, massage, these are huge for detoxification. And it's important, especially when we're upping our protein and fat intake, that we're keeping those detoxification pathways open. Um, uh, good sleep habits are huge. We've heard that as well today. Digestive health, I throw that one on there just to make you be aware. Um, as a, you know, in the training for nutritional therapy practitioner, I will graduate in about two weeks. Um, we're very focused on that. So it's like always top of mind for us. And then how do you move forward long-term? So again, find out what works for you. Don't worry about what you're supposed to eat. If you're not supposed to eat so many carbs, you're not supposed to eat this amount of fat or protein or how much you are supposed to eat, find out what works for you. So hopefully these tools that we've just talked about will help you figure out what that is and then you can move forward doing the best you. For, so for this past year, my keto has changed versus what it was a year ago. And I think that's kind of the key is you just have to keep figuring out what works for you and don't get stuck thinking that, oh, this worked for me before, so it's got to keep working. If it doesn't feel good, if things are changing, change with it. It's okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your attention. And Jessica Ty. Do you still struggle trying to find a sweetener that fits your ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Swerve. Swerve tastes like sugar and there's no funky aftertaste that you get from all those other high intensity sweeteners. Swerve actually looks like sugar and you may not even realize it, but granular and particle size have a lot to do with how foods feel in the mouth. Because Swerve measures cup for cup just like sugar, it is super easy to use. Swerve has taken away the guesswork on how much to use in your recipes, you simply swap it one for one for sugar. Swerve is the perfect sweetener for baking and cooking, and unlike other sugar alternatives, Swerve browns and caramelizes just like sugar, which means creme brulee and meringues are even possible. The best part is Swerve has very little impact on blood sugar and insulin levels, making it perfect for a diabetic or anyone following a ketogenic lifestyle. Swerve is made from erythritol as well as oligosaccharides which is a form of prebiotic fiber to help stimulate beneficial bacteria in the intestines. All the ingredients found in Swerve are from the United States and Europe, and Swerve has been in business for more than 16 years. Headquartered in the good old USA in New Orleans, everybody in keto is now using Swerve, and it's your turn too. Go to SwerveSweet.com to find a store near you, and it's also available on Amazon.com. Swerve, the ultimate sugar replacement. 
Do you like cookies? Jeffrey started Fat Snacks, S-N-A-X, in 2017 to make his keto lifestyle way more delicious. Fat Snacks cookies are soft-baked to perfection using coconut flour, butter, and almond flour. First time I tried these Fat Snacks cookies, oh my goodness, you guys, I fell in love. Plus, they're sugar-free, contain just 1 to 2 grams of net carbs, and have up to 9 grams of fat. Jeff and his team are proud to have become the top-selling keto-friendly cookie, all with just 1 to 2 grams of net carbs per serving. Fat Snacks flavors include chocolate chip, peanut butter, and lemony lemon, and they recommend you start with the variety pack on your first order. Head on over to fatsnacks.com jimmy, that's F-A-T-S-N-A-X.com jimmy, and use the coupon code L-L-V-L-C at checkout for 5% off of a single order or 10% off of your first subscription order at Snacks Cookies. Hi everybody and thank you so much. Um, it's been a while since I spoke in front of people so forgive me if I'm a little nervous but we'll get into it. <laughs> um, I'm Vivica and um, so I'm a certified nutritionist um, not a doctor, and they come from a very different worldview, point of view sometimes in um, the way I treat people, the way I work with my patients. Um, I'm the author of three cookbooks. This is the latest one, The Keto Paleo Kitchen, and um, the big book of Fat Bombs that was two years ago. Uh, my first book was a paleo book, a community paleo book. And I'm also, I like to call myself a health facilitator because in my view of the world, we can now heal other people, only ourselves, only we can heal ourselves. And we need to find our own individual unique way to heal. So what I like to do is just provide the tools and the knowledge, everything I have as far as tools, knowledge, support for people to find their own individual journey to healing. And that especially is important when it comes to like really complex scenarios. I do get a lot of really complex cases because many of the people that come to me, unfortunately, have been through the medical system and are now missing one or multiple organs and those cannot be replaced. And they've also been sent home kind of with a bunch of pills and not much more help. So when they're really desperate, then they find nutrition. But luckily, there is always hope with nutrition, even when, you know, for the medical community, it might be a hopeless case. For me, there are no hopeless cases. And it's just all about really finding the way, like, of where that disease came from, like the root causes. So I also call it radical nutrition, because it's always looking for those roots of disease. and. Um, whatever is happening. So I'm just going to go real quick here with my health story, but I might look healthy now. <laughs> it wasn't the case all my life. In fact, I think I had a number of pretty serious things that could have led me into a whole different scenario. Um, it started out when I was younger and here it mentions gallbladder disease in 2012, but actually I've had gallbladder disease. I had it for about 15 years, started at 27, with major gallbladder attacks, really painful, was in the hospital a number of times for that, I refused to get my gallbladder removed. And I managed with supplements and nutrition, but I just didn't know enough to heal until I started to study nutrition. And then within it was really about within a year, four detoxes and a gallbladder flush later that my gallbladder was finally okay <laughs> with me. Um, continued studying, uh, doing paleo. I came actually like Dr. Ann from Western Price and a paleo diet, um, both pretty much together. And then I thought it was really, I had all the answers. I was doing really good. I was helping people but I was also gaining weight and not feeling really great. And then one day I measured my blood sugar and found out I was pre-diabetic. And that was a bit of a rude awakening when you're a nutritionist. <laughs> so fast forward again, um, started a ketogenic diet. That was actually kind of right after I found out I was pre-diabetic and really got into keto. And it was like love at first bite. 
So I just dove in and within three months I reversed pre-diabetes. I was really insulin resistant. I think Jimmy and I probably can compete for insulin resistance. Um, of all the patients that I work with and all the other people that I started keto with, I was the one that could not lose weight, could not lower insulin. My blood sugars were like really hard to calm down. Um, it was kind of tough and I don't produce ketones, but that's another conversation that, you know, otherwise a rabbit hole here will never finish this talk. But with keto, I did reverse my prediabetes very successfully and everything was smooth sailing until about a year later. I now find out that I have hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's numbers. I didn't have huge Hashimoto's, but they were definitely there in the hundreds. And um, I'm like, what else can happen? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so this really led me into the next level of my learning. And I was so lucky to find a great mentor, Dr. Rhonda Nelson. I started studying under her restorative endocrinology. And that I was determined to not be on medication like millions and millions of people today. Thyroid medication is, I think, number two drug sold in America. So I don't believe in medication. I've never been on medication consistently throughout my life. Maybe ibuprofen was the most I ever took. Um, and I was not about to get on thyroid medication. So it was another deep dive. And luckily we get to here where 2018, I am clear again. So Hashimoto's <coughs> gone down to like three or four and um, doing Pretty good hypothyroidism is like at really baseline levels, like just slightly, and symptom free, which is what really counts. So, um, I want to talk today. You guys know the topic of this talk, which was in the first slide that didn't appear, but we're talking about managing metabolism and thyroid. And um, if you guys are wondering why the heck would you want to talk about that, We'll see it a little bit more in the slides. I'll explain you why my reasoning, why we need to do that, because they actually seemingly have two opposing um, needs, two opposing scenarios on how to resolve the issue. One is for metabolism, meaning insulin resistant. The other one is for uh, hypothyroidism primarily. So I got a lot of these cases, like I work, I've worked with about 150 patients in my practice in the last three years. It's not a lot of patients, but I work very, um, for about three to six months with each patient in quite in depth. We work very closely together. So I get to, and they're usually very compliant, my patients, because I watch <laughs> like a hawk, so they can't cheat so much. But, um, uh, you know, I got to get quite a bit of data and practical experience in this clinical setting about the scenarios and what works and what doesn't. So this is what I'm going to be talking about from this point. <laughs> so the two scenarios they come with, and I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that, one is damaged metabolism. So it's a lifetime of yo-yo dieting, a lifetime or of low-calorie, low-fat diets, and um, insulin resistance that resulted from a high-carb, low-fat diet and high sugar, high carb consumption. The other side of this endocrine picture is, um, endocrine metabolic picture is the imbalance hormones. So we're talking all hormones here. And insulin, of course, is part of it. It's on the, on the pancreatic side, on the metabolic side, but we're also talking about thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, and sex hormones. And here, this talk is pretty much directed mainly to women because women have that one secret ingredient, which is the sex hormones that kind of makes our lives, they rule our lives and they make our lives a little different, a little crazier. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with just some very general assumptions. And here is stuff that we talk about in keto communities, in forums, on Facebook groups. Um, just in general out there where people talk about what people think it's true. And the first one is that you need low carb to restore insulin sensitivity. And we kind of all know that, we talk about it, we know that, you know, um, metabolic 
issues are due to insulin resistance. In order to like reverse that, we need to lower the carbs and get insulin sensitive again. So that's on the metabolic side. And then, anyway, so from the other side, um, one was like the damaged metabolism. So we need to lower insulin and lower carbs in order to restore metabolism, right? So, but on the other side, then there is this common assumption that we need glucose in order to convert thyroid hormones. So when the thyroid is low, what a conventional doctor would tell you is that you need glucose, you need carbs in order to stimulate T3 conversion production. So how do we reconcile these two models? Well, um, I really wanted to show you guys that because um, that slide was the Harrower's chart. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the work of Dr. Harrower. But it was um, not really before endocrinologists even really existed, but it was a medical doctor and his main work was like in the 40s, 50s, now even earlier, I think. But it created this chart of endocrine relationships where you can see all the different relationships with all the different glands and organs of the endocrine system. And what I really liked in the chart is this shows you the direct correlation between thyroid and pancreas, thyroid and the adrenal medulla, and thyroid and what was the other one, the liver. Uh, so there are straight correlations that, you know, and there are two kinds of correlations. One is stimulating, one is suppressing. So those are stimulating correlations. And in the chart, it's really well presented and visual just to give us a beginning understanding of what we are dealing with, because the pancreas is an endocrine organ. So we tend to separate, in common thinking, we tend to separate metabolic functions from thyroid function or from endocrine function. Um, when those are actually completely interrelated and are dependent on the same system, which is the endocrine system. So now let's look at metabolism first. And I am time sake, <laughs> we're not going to go into details here, unfortunately, but um, we know that high sugar for long periods of time creates high resistance, resistance of insulin in the cells because insulin stays high in the bloodstream. The cells are constantly bombarded and eventually the receptors will lose sensitivity and we will need more and more insulin to produce the same results. So, from the metabolic point of view, we know that the solution, the seemingly easy solution, would be to restrict carbs for long enough that we don't elicit the insulin response. And so insulin stays low in the bloodstream, and therefore the receptors get the chance to reset. So, um, so let's see, if I remember, so, yeah, well, I kind of wanted to show yeah, you guys, sure, like where we're going next is to the thyroid. So we looked at metabolism real quick, we talked about insulin, and I want to make a clarification here. The reason why I'm talking about insulin resistance and metabolism in practical, really, you know, layman terms, is when you can't lose weight, or you have excess weight, excess um, fat deposits on your body, fat storage, and you know insulin is also the hormone of fat storage. And so without insulin, there is a lot more a greater inability to lose weight. And this is like one of the two scenarios that my patients come with is like, they, I can't lose weight, I tried everything. And of course, this is ties into the thyroid in so many different ways, you know, these are like, it's like this kind of beautiful, complicated dance of hormones in our body. But in the keto world, we talk a lot about macros and we talk a lot, you know, we started out like a few years ago, it was all about the macros, you know, and people come to me and they're like, if I can just have a little more protein or a little more fat, I need to figure it out. Like five calories less and I'm going to lose weight. But it's unfortunately not that simple or straightforward where you can just tweak the macros and lose weight because of the endocrine organs, the endocrine glands. So um, the thyroid is really the big guy here, the big honcho. It's like the master regulator gland. And it has, <laughs> this is like creative presentation. <laughs> Can I talk as fast You're as You're doing the well. You're doing very well. It's, it's like playing on itself. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for helping me. Uh, 
Appreciate it. You got poltergeist in your presentation. Yeah, I was afraid everything was going too smoothly with this PowerPoint, even though it was like finished two days ago. But I was like, yes, I did it. I got the PowerPoint. Like, this is going to happen. I'm going to look good in front of people. <laughs> Spoke too soon. Are um, we up to that point yet? Um, no. Okay. But I can. I would really like to see this one. That one? Yeah. I'll try to keep it there. Okay, so... I'll stay right here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, the slide before, but we don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> no, I went back, guys. She said the slide before. So. Yeah, so it's what happens in the thyroid. And at some point in there, it was like also the hormonal scenario that people come with when like they have these two issues. And so we talked about I can't lose weight. And now the other part of the scenario is like, I'm on thyroid medication or not. My, my thyroid numbers are off. I'm losing hair in clumps, constipated, cold, can't sleep, no energy. Um, what else? It's like, can lose weight, you would say that. All these thyroid symptoms. So let's have a very quick look at what happens inside the thyroid because I'm late already. I know it. I'm going to let and you go as long as you want now. <laughs> Um, and can bore you guys to that for as long as I want. You're my captive audience. <laughs> so what happens inside the thyroid? The thyroid is a really complicated little guy. You know, there is a lot of stuff happening, a lot of interactions, processes. I mean, I've been studying thyroid for years, and I'm still learning all the time. Uh, so just in a nutshell here, this is a thyroid hormone cascade. And it starts in a hypothalamus from the hypothalamus to the pituitary, which is another really important kind of character in this detective story. And the pituitary, we can call the control center, and we're gonna go back later into seeing why is it so important. But the pituitary will signal down um, to the thyroid through TSH. And now, what does your doctor prescribe for blood work when you ask him for thyroid panels? What else? <laughs> I mean, if you're lucky, you get T3 or T4, something like that. Mostly, most doctors will really pretty stubbornly refuse to prescribe any other tests. So, we are stuck kind of like dealing with TSH. And, you know, TSH is just one little signaler that goes from pituitary to the thyroid to tell a whole lot of things, but there is a very complicated scenario that happens just downstream from there, which was in the previous slide that we lost momentarily. <laughs> so the thyroid then needs to produce T4 and T3, like depending on that signaling on the TSH. So TSH tell us, tells the thyroid what to do. From the thyroid, the hormones go into the bloodstream and then reach the cells. Now we can go to the other one. So the pituitary is the one, that's fine. Um, not fine. <laughs> pituitary is the one that regulates the production of T3 and T4 and through the TSH. But here is when we see the main big thing, like this kind of elephant in the room that is not really talked about or addressed ever really enough, at least, is that and here, I'm sorry, you can go to the next slide, Jimmy, thank I'll you. I'll try. So the thyroid produces 90% T4 and 7%, about 7% T3. And what happens in order for T3 to happen, which is the active form of the hormone, it needs to be converted. And sorry about the slides, they're not quite in perfect order, but... So the really, the big thing here, the hashtag, keyword is conversion. Um, conversion is what makes the hormone active. And in order for us to not have all those nasty symptoms like the cold hands, the constipation, the weight gain, all of it, we need to have active hormone at the cellular level, able to get into the cells and push those little buttons to make things happen. So where does this conversion happen? Conversion happens in the liver and in the gut. And any of you that have ever had like constipation or acid reflux, not acid reflux, but um, any gallbladder symptom or any toxicity symptom, 
you might know or not know that the liver is a really, really crucial place in our body. So for me, it's like there were, like they told me, like you can only treat two things in the body. It's kind of hard to pick, but I probably treat liver and gut. You know, those are like their staples, the foundation. And when doctors or, you know, um, practitioners in general treat thyroid, they will like try to treat the thyroid directly. They won't even really think about liver and gut. Luckily, with functional medicine these days, there has been a lot of great advances and the doctors are catching on and like looking at the whole picture. But um, liver and gut are a big deal when it comes to your thyroid hormone because remember, hashtag conversion. So we're going to look, um, let's go back here for a second. So this was kind of like a little premise on the thyroid, but let's go back to keto diets because now we're here at the low-carb cruise and the presentation say, how does a keto diet play into different scenarios? Remember at the beginning, we talked about metabolism needs no carbs and thyroid needs carb for conversion. So how do we do it? You know, and patients come to me and they're like, what? You know, <laughs> how do we do it? It's like, I need carbs supposedly for my thyroid and supposedly not for my weight loss. So mainstream science, and that's from a quote from Dr. Pete, endocrinologist, um, says that we must have glucose for conversion. And, you know, without glucose, there is no conversion. In the same article, it recommends like two glasses of skim milk, the famous skim milk you just learned about, and two glasses of orange juice a day to make sure that your endocrine system works nice and smooth, right? Um, so that's the point of view from conventional science doctors on thyroid functioning. You need glucose. That's what they tell us. But then there are the keto doctors. And... We, I think hopefully we're all familiar with Dr. Finney and Dr. Volek. They're, you know, they were my first, second book, first book I ever bought was Maria's. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and the second was Dr. Finney and Volek. And really. <laughs> I'm going to try one more time. Get it while it lasts. <laughs> Three, okay, just... two, one, go. <laughs> so Dr. Volek and Finney say that actually what impairs thyroid conversion is not the lack of glucose because of course we all know here in educated audience you know that through gluconeogenesis your body can make its own glucose we don't need to get oranges to skim milk and so Dr. Finney is like you don't need any extra glucose the body will make all the glucose it needs because hormones are very teeny tiny things and they need like a very teeny tiny amount of glucose anyways. So we don't need the orange juice and the skim milk. We can be in ketosis and through gluconeogenesis, we'll have all the glucose we need for conversion. Furthermore, to like, you know, there has been studies where um, what has been seen in the studies that doc the doctors themselves Bolek and Finney did is that when you are on a ketogenic diet for a certain a period of time, I think it was three to six, they, their study was not that long, but I know that after three to six months, what happens is you get lower T3. Um, they, but the, the function itself, like patients had lower T3 numbers, but were asymptomatic. So they explained that, and that should show up in the next slide if we get quickly to see it. <coughs> yes, this one. So Dr. Volek explained that as a sensitization. This is the new comedy show, you guys. You thought that Carol was the only one. You're putting Carol to shame. I know. I was like, welcome to the Carol and Vivica Keto Comedy. So yeah. what happens at the cellular level? And it was a cute presentation. Like it, it looks good. But you had it show on screen for two seconds and it goes away. I don't know what the heck happened. Anyway, Anyways. carry on. Okay, so, um, I lost it. Oh, yeah. So, just, Dr. Volek says that why the reason T3 goes down is because the cells get sensitive. Because remember, like, insulin resistance cells get bombarded. And so, once you lower, like, the, even the general, like, you know, you lower insulin, 
and you just lower the general amount of hormones needed to get an effect, the cells do get more sensitive. And I think that this kind of could be a piggyback effect. It doesn't state that. This is just my personal opinion. But I see it with estrogen as well. And, you know, you know keto diets and, you know, eating, like, eliminating, we'll talk about it more later, but eliminating a lot of estrogenic foods and, you know, toxins and decongesting the liver will lower estrogen. And so when you lower estrogen, everything benefits, you know, because the cells get more sensitive. So your receptors get more sensitive. So this is um, the theory of Dr. Volek. And now... Can you look at the slides? Yeah. Sorry. All right, so the theory of Dr. Volek. I've been confused. Okay, so the, here are some questions, though, that you quickly saw that I would like to ask. And it's like, so we have these two scenarios. Like, um, some doctors say you need glucose, some doctors say you don't. They hold, both have their theories. Um, and where do we stand, though? Like, what happens in real life? Like, what is going on? Is the keto diet bad for thyroid conversion? Like, are we going to be able to, like, lose weight with keto and maintain the weight loss and support the thyroid? Or are, are we all going to become hypothyroid by doing keto? And that's what a lot of women are really freaking out about because they already are on medication. And is that going to influence? Or do I have to raise my medication? What's going to happen in the long term? And, like... Were there any studies for women, and like say over 40 especially, because once you get into perimenopause, the hormonal scenario gets even more delicate, believe it or not. Yes. If you have experienced it, you'd believe it. <laughs> but there are no studies that I have found that are very specific to women over 40 who have been doing keto, being properly keto adapted, being low carb for a minimum of three months with symptoms, with numbers of hypothyroidism and what are, what happened, what really happens, you know, um, and why are women more affected than men? And so, by the way, um, just a little parenthesis here, through my practice, this is the kind of audience, the kind of study that I was able to do just for myself to see what the effects of keto for long term, three months, six months, a year, two years, three years, um, has had on those kind of patients. And the other question is, why do some people become symptomatic and some don't? And what are the symptoms? You know, how do we tell that these are thyroid symptoms? It's the brain fog. That's a big one for me. You know, when it's brain fog, there is almost always hormones involved. And, you know, Dr. Ann was talking about brain fog and high blood sugar. Um, but... I think that the other side of brain fog is definitely hormonal, especially for women. Then there are the difficult workouts. So people start keto, everything is fine, you know, you do it for a while, and then all of a sudden, this stuff starts popping up. Because, you know, we all talk about ketogenic diet clearing your brain fog and giving you super sharp brain, and you have power for your workouts, and you sleep like a baby, but sometimes the symptoms come. May they might leave and then come back, or they maybe never go away. And this is what we deal with specifically. So disruptive sleep, suddenly you can't fall asleep. You wake up at three in the morning, you wake up 20 times during one night, wake up exhausted, and hair starts falling out in clumps. And the constipation, like, I am pretty good at dealing with constipation, but there are cases where, like, no matter what you do, and by the way, nine out of 10 people that come to work with me, they're on calm. You guys familiar with calm, magnesium drink that you drink at night to relax and go to sleep? Well, it's magnesium citrate and it draws water into the bowels so it gives you loose bowels. These people think they're taking calm for relaxing, but they're actually taking calm for pooping. And the moment you take their calm away, nothing happens anymore. So. Sometimes the problem is just under the surface. So who becomes symptomatic the most? For what I've seen is women, like we talked about, and women with hormonal dysregulation. So I've had different scenarios. I've had one case in three years who 
did not have hormone dysregulation. Like the sex hormones were actually good, believe it or not. And she was not completely stressed out. Kind of a miracle. Keto works in a whole different way for her. She lost 100 pounds two years later. She looks amazing. She feels amazing. It was the easiest case ever. And like, I just keep looking at that case and like trying to understand why. <laughs> what did she have that everybody didn't have? But this is one of the things that really jumped out at me. It's like, her hormones were better. So when we look at hormones, hormonal imbalances, so it's a high insulin, that there is a high cortisol from stress, and then high estrogen, that's another long conversation, but that's what we find, and um, high TSH or, you know, low um, T3. So, in my opinion, my very modest opinion from what I saw, is that when the hormones are completely out of whack for a long time, and we're talking adrenals, and we're talking sex hormones, and we're talking thyroid as well, Remember, we, were, we say we're going to talk again about the pituitary. So the pituitary is the control center, and there are those feedback loops that go on from the cells to the brain, the cells to the brain. So once the hormones are dysregulated, the pituitary is getting mixed signals, bad signals. Things are not quite as they are supposed to be. And in time, that causes dysregulation, meaning the pituitary gets a little confused, doesn't know what's going on anymore. And what I feel that really happens is that it becomes our system, our endocrine system becomes a lot more sensitive to stressors. And guess what affects conversion from T3 to T4 to T3? One of the main issues of not converting is stressors. So what stressors affect conversion? Let's see if we can pop this up. Too low carb for too long. Believe it or not, that is a stressor on the body. And there has been a lot of studies, even um, Dr. Vole, no, Dr. Finney says that restricting, uh, no, it actually says restricting calories, sorry. So the next one is restricting calories for too long. That is a stressor on the body. And Dr. Finney say that actually it wasn't the carb restriction, but it was the calorie restriction that affected conversion and therefore lower T3. That was one of the possibilities. But another big deal that affects conversion and a stressor is liver congestion due to toxins, due to accumulated hormones, due to um, a number of issues, but the main ones is toxicity and too many hormones. And then, of course, compromised gut because conversion happens um, in the gut as well. So what do we do? Um, remember our first question is like, what do we do with keto? So no keto, keto is out of the picture. How do we do, how do we reconcile these two scenarios? Now that we know that conversion is one of the big unsung heroes here, <laughs> and we need conversion in order for the thyroid hormones to be efficient. So do we do keto? Don't we do keto? <laughs> this is kind of funny, huh? <laughs> Like, what, what, what? Speak faster. <laughs> so, I think most definitely keto. Yes, I mean, I am a keto person. <laughs> so, for me, keto is a definite yes, but there is different ways to do keto. And I do what I call a therapeutic ketogenic diet for healing, which I call keto paleo for short. So, I use paleo principles with ketogenic ratios. I'm also a Western Prize person. I come from, you know, Western Prize Foundation. So just like the whole talk that Dr. Ann gave you, everything she say, I use and believe in, and it's like a firm foundation of my practice. So that for me is keto paleo, nutrient-dense foods, um, paleo foods as much as possible, eating in that way like our ancestors developed for two million years. And, um, Eliminating stressors, it's a big thing. So how do we do it? Um, quick little things like, what do I use in my practice? <laughs> so support liver is a big deal. <laughs> um, liver, we just talked about organ meats. I am big on organ meats. Why do you think my blog is not popular at all? 
because you have about 20 different liver recipes, about 400 recipes, gizzards. Nobody wants to see that. The pictures are pretty, but they want keto sweets. So bitter herbs and liver. Sounds unappealing? Well, uh, I think you can make it delicious. And I think that these are like the true staples of nourishing foods. Like, you know, I call my program the Healing Foods Method. And yes, I do use supplements, but the real foundation of health and, and you know, um, wellness is your diet. That is what we put in our body every day. You might forget your supplements, but you don't forget to eat. Sometimes, maybe if you're really keto diet. <laughs> so the other thing that we need to do is, again, stressors for conversion, support the adrenals. So the adrenals, we didn't even go into the whole side of the picture, but adrenals and thyroid are like best buddies. They hang out at the bar at night. And like, if one goes down, the other one eventually will go down. So if we want a happy thyroid, we need to support the adrenal, adrenals. So stress managing, and I use adaptogens, which is um, a certain kind of herbs that are used to support a stress response, a help stress response in the body and there was something else and fix the gut another big one so put collagen in your morning fatty dr Anna had a picture of collagen i actually use um vital proteins collagen and perfect keto sometimes those are my favorite ones i use a lot of collagen keeps you young is good for the skin not just for your hormones so and it's really good for your gut and the bone broth um Lots of gelatinous bone broth. Chicken feet are awesome and they're cheap. And if you can really find clean, clean beef, then cow feet, beef, um, the feet, because you really don't want feedlot, feedlot feet that has been standing in nah, yucky stuff. Um, and then gut reconditioning protocol, those can be tricky and lengthy, but sometimes needed with people with really compromised uh, digestive gut function. We might need supplementation, we might need um, to go a little deeper and clean up pathogens, clean up um, parasites, like the gut can be tricky as well, but yes, heal the gut. Jimmy, you're an angel. Jimmy just earned his golden wings here today and his halo. But we're almost done. We're almost done. I'm trying to keep them from and moving. And the last one Talk is... Talk real fast. The last three slides. Yeah. So nutrient-dense foods and um, are very important. I think I'm not going to go into that. And like why nutrient-dense foods are important. And then there is this little biohacks, tricks, <laughs> tweaks, like cycling carbs and calories. Because remember... Um, what are the stressors? Too low carb for too long. Too low calorie for too long. Now, do we need to eat high calorie all the time? Do we need to eat high carb all the time? Not really. All we have to do is like kind of waking up, shake up our metabolism and our body by reintroducing days of high carb, high calorie. Now, I don't do carb ups with donuts. <laughs> Some people do. But um, I created what I call the green carb up. That's a kind of really big favorite of mine. And it's introducing bitter greens and cruciferous, especially cooked cruciferous greens, and have like big plates of that for dinner, maybe once or twice a week, instead of having uh, the famous sweet potato that everybody's been doing carb ups with. I've been experimenting with the greens for nutrient density because they seem to really bring in, you know, support the liver. So I really like, like to use multifunctionality so that you do one thing and affects a number, a number of good outcomes. So the greens, they have many purposes and um, green carb ups seem to work really well. I've had great success in the last few months since we started, I started doing them with many patients, I couldn't sleep, couldn't run, you know, couldn't work out, couldn't lift weights. We started green carb ups. Within three days, they're sleeping through the night. And I was like, nice. <laughs> um, and then make every calorie count. So that's kind of like, it's really the message that I want to give you through Keto Paleo. is like, don't eat empty foods like... You know, we don't need extra, extra calories. You want to be mindful of calories, especially if you're trying to lose weight. 
So make them count. Eat liver. <laughs> eat organ meats, you know, eat greens. And they can be delicious, you know. We don't have to feel deprived or like, you know, it's my grandma's liver, it's terrible. They can be good, they can be delicious, they will nourish your body, they will make you feel full and happy and energetic and, you know, and also like make you healthy slowly but surely. And, you know, I have tried it on my own body before I did any of this with my patients. And then I tell everybody like, look, this is a journey and we're gonna see what works and what doesn't. But these are the staples We'll try them out. We'll see what works for you. Maybe you don't like liver. We'll do heart, you know. And maybe you don't like pedicure. We'll do endive. <laughs> but um, there are ways to navigate this. So I think the bottom line, you guys, is that it's all connected inside our body. I like to see the body in a holistic form, like as an holistic practitioner, from every side, all sides, emotions included. And, you know, Mag luckily talked about that, so I don't have to go into it. <laughs> but from the endocrine perspective, like you saw it, you didn't see it from the Harrower's chart, it's all connected. So eating well and doing keto the right way, I think it can make a huge difference. And yes, we all can heal. Thank you so much. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling bright. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show.com. Woo! Disc of Light. <laughs>